Thank you for tuning into the Freedom Church podcast, where you can catch our Sunday sermon on demand at any time. Hit the subscribe button so you don't miss out on any of the content that's shared every week at our local church in Round Rock, Texas. Here's this week's sermon. Good morning. I want to welcome everyone watching online. I look forward to meeting again soon, but for the next couple weeks, we will be online. It's been pretty incredible. Over the last several months, we've received messages from people that are watching from New Mexico, Florida, Arkansas, Indiana, Alabama, even India. And we, of course, we have people that are watching from all over Central Texas, Round Rock, Pflugerville. So glad you're here this morning. I want you to do me a favor. Wherever you're watching, if you are watching, I want you to put it in that chat box where you're watching from. Glad you're here. Everybody who knows me knows this one thing. I love animals. I love watching animal documentaries for hours. And every once in a while, you'll come across these crazy animal stories. Like the story of a 68-year-old named Carl Howarth from Haversford, Wells. While she was shopping at the local mall, a swarm of 20,000 bees surrounded her Mitsubishi. Beekeepers were called to remove the bees. They were able to do so. But here's where the story gets really weird. The next day, the bees came back and followed Carol's car for two days. And everybody was stunned And why this was happening. The beekeepers theorized that the queen bee got stuck in the trunk and the other bees were trying to save her. How many of you guys want some friends like that? They have your back. Here's another crazy story I heard about a quail by the name of Albert. He was once an egg in, the, in a supermarket in the Netherlands. He was incubated for a month as an experiment to see whether eggs in supermarkets were actually fertilized. After a month, Albert hatched. Think about that. Next time you're having eggs for breakfast, you could be eating Albert's little sister. That's why I never have eggs for breakfast. That should stop me from doing it. But the craziest animal story I heard was reported by the BBC in 2005. A 12-year-old girl was kidnapped from her home in rural southwest Ethiopia by four men after coming home from school. A week later... The authorities were able to locate the kidnappers and were in pursuit of them. And then during the pursuit, three lions encountered the kidnappers and chased the men off miraculously. The lions stayed with the girl without harming her until the police arrived. When they found her, she was bruised from being manhandled by the kidnappers, but the lions didn't even lay a paw on her. Lions experts said it's possible that the lions were planning to eat the girl themselves but the lions were dissuaded by her crying which sounds a lot like the cries of a baby lion cub however it happened lions saved this girl officer sergeant Wondimi said this everyone thinks this is some kind of miracle because normally lions would attack people could God have really used those lions to save this young girl? In the story we're looking at today, God's going to use an animal, a donkey, to save a wayward prophet from destruction. The prophet's name is Balaam, and 
As we continue our series, Untold Stories of the Bible, every once in a while, you'll come across an unbelievable story that the Bible will tell you. These stories are so bizarre, it's hard to believe. And this is one of those stories. Before I read you the story of Balaam and his talking donkey, let me give you a little bit of background. Israel is on the way to the promised land. And a king named Balak, who was a Moabite, sees a thousand, sees a million Israelites coming their way. And his worry is not that they're going to conquer him in battle. His worry is that they're going to steal all the natural resources in Moab. And we find that in Numbers 22, verse 4. This is what it said. This horde is going to lick up everything around us. You've got to understand this about Moab. Moab was an arid desert climate. There was, a, there was not a lot of natural resources. So as King Balak would look out, he, he's wondering this. And they're going to eat, they're going to drink all our water, they're going to eat all our livestock. So Balak comes up with an idea. He doesn't want to fight Israel directly because he knows that won't work. Israel, the Israelites don't typically lose in battle. They just took down the most powerful army in the entire land, the Egyptian empire. Plus, God is with them. These people are led by a fire by night and a cloud by day. And everybody is seeing that everywhere they go, their God sends them food from heaven every day. So Balak comes up with a different plan. He's going to have them curse. See, Balak is smart enough to realize that the battle is not really won in the physical realm. It's won in the spiritual realm. He's got great insight. That's an insight that many of us should even apply to our lives and things that we look at. And he happens to know a prophet named Balaam. Balaam is a diviner, a soothsayer. He is a seer. He sees into the future and he curses people for money. Look at verse 7 of Numbers 22. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee for divination. And when they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you. The answer the Lord gives me. And here we're introduced to this character in the Bible by the name of Balaam. His name literally means consumer. And Balaam is an enigma. He's, his life is a conundrum. It's a series of contradictions. God speaks to Balaam, yet he's a false prophet. But yet Balaam is this major character in the Bible. He appears in eight different books in the Bible. 59 different times. Here's the thing about Balaam. Balaam is talked about more than any of the apostles. And God uses Balaam's mouth to predict God's future plans for Israel, including the Messiah. Yet, on the same side, he's crooked and greedy. Balaam is a symbol for evil throughout the scriptures. And we are warned by the Bible writers not to follow the way of Balaam. And we're going to see that here. Verse 12. God God said to Balaam, do not go. Circle, underline, highlight, smiley face that. When God says go, when God says no, don't go. God says, do not go with them. You must not put a curse, underline that word, on those people because they are blessed. Balaam comes back and he really wants to go. He knows they're going to give him a lot of money. And he's like, have you ever been there? Remember your kid, your kids tell you this. My mom says I can't go. I got to stay home today. And that's kind of the thought. I can't go with you. I'm grounded. And God says, God, and Balaam says, God won't let me. But here's the thing about Balak. He 
wants to win this battle. He's concerned about his people. And he won't take no for an answer. So this time he sends more money. And he sends not just the elders. He sends his very own sons to get Balaam to come. And look at verse 16. This is what Balak, the son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me. But I will reward you handsomely. And here's what he wants. Put a curse on these people for me. And Balaam's response, like, I want you to understand this. God already told him no. What's Balaam's response? Let me go ask him one more time. Have you ever been that? God tells you no, but you still want to go, and you try to rationalize your way around God's word. Let me tell you, that's a dangerous place to be. That's a dangerous place of where, where we just kind of play with these sins or these ideas or these ways that God says, no, no. But we just walk around it. We get so close to it. We get close to a relationship. We get close to a way of life that God tells us no to. And we get in trouble. And this is exactly what's going to happen to Balaam. And Balaam's response here gives us a picture into his heart. Look at verse 18. Balaam, Balaam answered them. Even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small or go beyond the command of the Lord my God. But I want you to notice here. Commentators tell us something very interesting is happening here. In the offer from Balak, sons, it never once mentions silver or gold, let alone a palace full of it. So why does Balaam mention a palace full of silver or gold? commentators say this he's he's really in the end he's kind of suggesting he says oh if you're going to give me all the silver and gold wink wink he's trying to get more money and we see the very problem of Balaam coming out here greed this is the way of Balaam follow the money follow the desires that will please you and what happens is pretty remarkable verse 20 God says okay if you want to, you want to, you want to stay close to that, go with them, but only tell them what I tell you. And this is what theologians call the permissive will of God. God already told him no, but he wants to go, go, go. And sometimes God will allow us to do things that we insist in doing, even if it's harmful of us. And there will always be great consequences. We're going to see those consequences. And we never want to walk in God's permissive will. We always want to be in God's perfect will. But sometimes if we keep on asking God for something, sometimes he'll say, if you want it bad enough, I'm not going to stop you. But we'll see that's not a good place to be. Verse 21. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Like he is walking against God. That, that's the imagery here. And you're like, I'm confused, Pastor B. Uh, didn't God tell him to go? Now the Bible says God was very angry with him. Didn't, let God, God, didn't God let him go in the first place after he argued? Here's what's happening. Commentators and scholars tell us there's something going on here in between the lines. Balaam's heart is, right now, it's becoming overcome with greed. And God is very clearly seeing the motivations and actions of his heart, the perversity of what's happening in him. And he's going to speak his word, but also he is in his mind, he is scheming, and he is thinking, how can I get 
the money to. See, when you play with sin and evil, if you get so close to it, oh, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, there will come a time where we will try to walk in both ways, and you can't. And this is what Balaam's finding. And we'll see that. Verse 22. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into the field. This is where it gets weird. This is where it's like Twilight Zone story. The donkey sees an angel. The prophet, along with his friends, are watching, and he's like, nope, 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 not going to do it. He's stopping, and Balaam's getting mad. He's getting embarrassed, and the donkey's like, go this way. The donkey's just leading him in the wrong direction. It's, it's a crazy scene. And look what happens. Balaam beats it to get back in the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. So it's crazy. Balaam and the donkey are fighting, and he's hitting it, and it's a bad scene. This is animal cruelty. This is not a good passage if you're a member of PETA, just saying. But verse 26 says this. Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood. I want you to notice this in a narrow place where there was no room to turn. Ultimately, we're going to have to face the angel of the Lord. Notice the path keeps getting more narrow and narrow as he went. Verse 27. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay under Balaam. And when the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, it said to Balaam, what have you, what have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? And yes, you read it right. The donkey's talking. And when I read this passage and this story for the first time, my mind goes to this, Shrek and the donkey. How many of you guys think about that? I'm thinking when, when I'm hearing the donkey speaking, I'm, I'm hearing Eddie Murphy's voice saying, I'm making waffles and let's talk about manly stories tonight. But Shrek's donkey is a fictitious character. This really happened. And I know you're thinking, donkeys don't talk. But you know, we serve a God who spoke the world into existence. And sometimes he can rewrite the laws of nature and science. And for many years, many times as a pastor, this passage was pretty comforting to me. I remember sometimes preaching and saying, God, if you can speak through a donkey, you can speak through me. God is speaking through a donkey. Look at verse 29. Balaam answered the donkey, you can talk. No, 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 that's not what he said. That's what I would have said. That's what you would have said. Balaam talks back to his donkey. He's talking to the donkey without batting an eye. This is getting crazy. And, and we're thinking, man, wow, this is wild. It's not too wild. You do the same thing. You talk to your dog all the time, and you think he can talk to you. Let me just give you a newsflash. Your dog does not understand the words that are coming out of your mouth. Dogs do not talk intelligent words animals do not talk intelligent words but here we see a donkey who is speaking intelligent words and look what look what he tells he tells us Balaam tells the donkey you've made a fool out of me you've embarrassed me if only I had a sword right now in my hand I would kill you and commentators are telling us there's a playful irony in this story that God has a sense of humor Look at the irony. Bayer is supposed to be the all-wise seer and prophet. He's supposed to see into the spiritual world, yet he doesn't see the angel in front of him. Yet the donkey, who is not considered smart, 
when people refer to a donkey, they refer to a donkey as dumb. You, you know the adjective. You can read in the King James. That is just a dumb. I'm not going to say the rest of the word, but you get the group. Man, but who's really dumb here? Balaam or the donkey? The crazy thing about this story where it gets really wild is Balaam and the donkey start arguing. They're going back and forth. And this great wise prophet is, begot, is about to lose an argument to the donkey. Look at verse 30. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey, which you've always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? But he's like, I'm, I, Balaam's all, no. The donkey's all, you're right. You've always been a good donkey. I've, you've never treated me this way. Then suddenly, and I want you to see this. This is pretty powerful. As he understands his fault, and he humbles himself, God allows him to see. This is important. God opens his eyes to what is really happening. Look at verse 31. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down, a posture of worship. This is a powerful scene. This is absolutely stunning, especially for the Old Testament Jews that would read this. We just can't pass verse 31. Scholars believe that this is a theophany where God comes down and reveals himself to man. And we have two reasons to believe it's a theophany. First reason is this. If this were not God, the angel would have commanded Balaam to get off the ground. Angels in scripture, every time somebody tried to worship them, would command them to get off the ground. This angel accepted worship that tells us it's God. And the, word, the way God revealed himself to Joshua as well was the angel of the Lord. This is how he always moved himself. He always revealed himself as the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament. The second reason is this. This being sees through Balaam's motives and judges him. And we see this in verse 32 which is the key verse in this story. I'm going to read it to you in the ESV because it translates it much better. better. This is what verse 32 says this. I have come out to oppose you because your way is, underline, circle, highlight, smiley face this, your way is perverse before me. I want you to understand this, that we don't sin against angels. We sin against God. So, as this angel looks at Balaam's ways, he sees the intentions of his heart as a judge. And he says, you, Balaam, are perverse before me and you've sinned against me. And though God could have and should have killed Balaam, he didn't. Instead of drawing the sword, God used the donkey to save his life by falling on the ground. The donkey was struck so Balaam wouldn't be struck down. In God's judgment. And we see a little piece of the scripture. The donkey was struck three times. Jesus was dead three days and rose from the dead. We see a little piece of the gospel there. And in verse 33, the angel of the Lord says, As I would have killed you by now if it wasn't for your donkey. And, and this is an interesting story. And we're like, what does it mean? Well, 2 Peter 2.15 gives us more insight to this story. And Peter is talking about false prophets and teachers. And he said this, They have followed the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved, underline that word, gain, money for wrongdoing, but was rebuked for his own transgressions. 
by a speechless donkey who spoke with a human voice and restrained the prophet's madness. And yet again, we come to another story in this series, and we wonder, what is God trying to teach us? Well, this story actually teaches us a lot. And I want to close this morning by giving you three truths followed by three questions that have major implications from your life from this story. The first truth that we learn from this story is this. God is always leading and speaking to his people. The question is this. Are we listening and following? Over the years, I found out that one of the hardest things to miss is God's plan for your life. That God is constantly speaking and leading to us. And he most clearly speaks through his word. His word doesn't change. But here's the problem. We don't listen to the word of God a lot of times. We ignore the word of God. So God in his grace, he will put roadblocks and barriers and signs. Let me tell you, sometimes he will cause a donkey to lie down in the road if we're going in the wrong path. Man, it's hard to miss God's will. He will put obstacles and challenges. He loves you and he wants wants to keep you from judgment but here is the hard thing sadly all the time we ignore the signs and we keep going our way the problem for us it's just like Balaam is we keep beating the donkey or the circumstances that God is using to keep us from danger we get mad that the relationship didn't work out we get mad at God we get mad that the job didn't work out or the deal fell through and we don't realize that it was God leading us the entire time i've learned to pray revelation 3 7 and 8 over my life lord whatever door you open no man can whatever door you shut no man can open and whatever door you open no man can shut we love the open doors closed doors not so much but they're a package deal and the older i get the more i realize that one day we will thank god more for the closed doors than the open doors i remember in high school there was a girl that I had a crush on for years, and I would pray. I remember when I first came to Christ, Lord, help her to fall in love with me, and then we're going to start a family, and we're going to share you, and we're going to make a difference for the kingdom. Let that happen. And man, I would ask her out. She kept telling me, no, never, things never went out. It was a prayer that went unanswered. A couple years ago, I went back home, and I saw her when I was visiting back home because well, in Walmart, and when you're from a small town, you go to Walmart, you almost see everybody in Walmart. And when I saw her, I looked at her. And I remember, she didn't look quite the same like she did in high school that she does now. I looked at her, and I looked over at Jennifer, and I'm like, yes, thank you, Lord, for not answering that prayer. Yes, yes, yes. God moves through circumstances. And I don't know what's going on in your life right now. You might be frustrated at your situation. You might be frustrated with the circumstances, but let me tell you, God is leading and he's speaking to you. The question is, are you listening? The second truth I want you to see is this. You will be a participant in God's will. The question is, will you be a willing participant or will you be a reluctant participant? God uses all kinds of people to complete his will. God uses good people. He uses bad people. He uses people with pure motives and unpure motives according to Paul, as he was writing in one of his letters that Christ is preached sometimes out of selfish ambition, sometimes out of pure motives. And the Bible is full of examples of people who participated willingly in his plan and others not so willingly. A couple of examples are Pharaoh. God confronted Pharaoh with his word. 
Let my people go. And over the time, Pharaoh did not listen, hardened his heart. And he's part of history forever, unwilling participant. See Judas. One of my favorite examples of this is Samson. In Judges, you see the story of Samson. Samson was a man that was called by God. He was supposed to take a Nazarite vow. He was supposed to lead God's people. He was supposed to be a deliverer over the Philistines. He wasn't supposed to, in the Nazarite vow, he wasn't supposed to date foreign women. He wasn't supposed to shave his head, and he wasn't supposed to touch an unclean animal. That was God's will over his life. God spoke the word over his life. He gave his mom this plan. Guess what happened? Samson didn't follow the plan. He, we got, man, he, he touched unclean animals. He shaved his head. He did all these different things. He got involved with foreign women. But guess what happened in the end? Whether he wanted it or not, he found himself in a battle with the Philistines. He wanted God's desire, was his will, that he would lead the nation in repentance and revival revival in a battle but he didn't want to do it that way so God used his own desires against him and his lust to all of a sudden he is in conflict with the Philistines because of a relationship he had with a foreign lady and ultimately God delivered the Philistines not the way he wanted but he did it anyways because God's will will be done we have a choice know this about God God will be glorified either through us or in spite of us and I've learned this the hard way. Many times, I've, the Lord's invited me to be part of what he's doing. I, I remember one time when I was uh, still a youth pastor, a missionary from Vietnam had come, and they were talking about all this missions work that they were doing and how they were starting hospitals, and we wanted to be involved in that. And, and I remember at that time, I'm, I'm going to write a check. And, uh, and, and Jennifer had this number for a check. I had this number for a check, and, and I'm like, ah. My number was a little bit lower than her number. And she said, I think we should give uh, all our savings at that time, which is $750. And I'm like, uh, no, I think we should give $50. Because we had a $700 deductible because our car had just been hit by a deer. And we needed to get that fixed. I'm like, man, we, we, can't, we, we can't do this. So instead, I unwillingly didn't want to participate. I wrote a check for $50. I got that $700. I fixed my car. Guess what happened? A month later. After hitting a deer, I hit another deer. And that $700 that I could have used in the kingdom is now wasted. I'm just telling you, God is inviting us to be part of his plan. Will we, will we be part of it? At the end of Balaam's story, God does speak through him, and it's powerful. Balaam is confronted with Balak, and Balak takes him to some mountaintops, and he commands him to curse Israel, but he doesn't curse Israel. He gives four oracles, four speeches that were given to him by God. He looks at one mountaintop seeing Israel, and Balaam says this, that he cannot curse what God has blessed, and he pronounced a blessing over Israel. He says, maybe this is a bad angle, so Balaam takes him to another a mountaintop, and he gives a second oracle, and Balaam says this, God cannot lie. God does not change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and then not fulfill? What God has blessed, he will bless. And he said, every blessing that God has given to the people of Israel will be fulfilled. And he blesses them again. Balak gets mad. Okay, let's put you at another angle. They go to another mountaintop. And the third oracle, Balaam prophesies this really important phrase that we see throughout Scripture. That those who bless Israel will be blessed. And those who curse Israel will be cursed and, and Balak is like man I brought you here to curse them so he takes him to the fourth mountaintop and he gives the last oracle which is the most powerful of all you'll read it in Numbers 24 17 I behold him but not near a star 
will come out of Jacob. Verse 19. A ruler will come out of Jacob and destroy the survivors of the city. And here he gives one of the clearest prophecies of the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. Spoken through a man whose motives are impure and whose character is flawed. And this is one of the many Old Testament prophecies about Jesus. And one of the things that we've learned throughout the Old Testament, especially in this series, the Old Untold Stories of the Bible, is the Old Testament always points to the coming Messiah. It's one story. And the story of Balaam points this. It points to a true and greater prophet that Israel needed. Like Balaam, Jesus was offered the riches by the enemy. But unlike Balaam, he turned those riches down. Both Balaam and Jesus rode a donkey, but Balaam rode a donkey in disobedience to God's will. Jesus rode a donkey, man, during that triumphal entry in complete obedience to God's way, on, uh, to God's will on the way to the cross. In Gethsemane, after he rode the donkey, he prayed this, Lord, not my will be done, but your will be done. And when Balaam stood before the angel of the Lord, his ways were revealed as perverse and greedy and self-centered. Yet the angel of the Lord somehow spared his life. But when Jesus stood before the angel of the Lord, he was righteous and pure and holy. Yet the angel of the Lord pierced him for you and for me. He bore our judgment. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died. I want to tell you that Jesus is the true and greater Balaam. Balaam was cursed. Balaam cursed God's people so he could be rich. But Jesus was cursed in our place. And he gave up the riches and the blessings of heaven so that we can be blessed with the riches of heaven. And that's the story of the gospel. Every story, no matter what it is, pointing to our Messiah. It leads us to our third truth. That you cannot curse what God has blessed. And here's the question that we need to wrestle with. Will you walk in God's blessing or sin's curse? See, after Balaam gives all these prophecies, Balak is ticked off. He's mad. He wants them to curse Israel. So he withholds payment from Balaam. But Balaam's greed overtakes him. Balaam cannot speak a curse over Israel, but he gives the Moabites a different way to defeat Israel. He tells Balak, you can't curse them, but you can entice them to sin and follow idols. You can read about the story in Numbers 25. I don't got time to break it down this morning. But he showed Israel's enemy their unguarded backdoor of compromise. And Israel fell into the trap. They sinned and they followed idols. And 24,000 Israelites died. Eventually Moses and the Israelites found out about Balaam's evil schemes and treachery. And he was a model for greediness and deceit for all of history. I just want to tell you this. Satan today, he still operates like Balaam. Satan cannot directly curse God's people. Because we are blessed with Christ, with every spiritual blessing in Christ. As long as we stand against the enemy, the full armor of God protects us. But there is a back door. There's no armor in the back. And that's where the enemy gets in, through sin. And Satan has been using this tactic of compromise against God's people forever. And he talks about this in Revelation 2, 14, when he's giving the churches warnings. He says, but I have a few things against you. You hold fast to the teachings of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel. 
to eat food sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. He says the way of Balaam, the way of this world, is to entice God's people to follow their desires, their will, their plans. And this is the warning for us. When we step out of God's blessing and we step into sin, all kinds of problems occur in our life. See, God has blessed us in Christ. We are walking in Christ. We are filled in Christ. But one of the biggest challenges we have right now is when we step out of that identity, when we step out of the gospel and we follow lust and we follow unforgiveness, and we follow greed and we allow worry to consume us which is a lack of trust just like Balaam and Israel we get blinded of the vision of God the angel of the Lord that is before us and we allow our greed we allow our desires we allow everything inside of us to lead us in a way that takes us far from God and the warning is this watch yourself because even a man who hears from God can be deceived to follow wicked ways it's a sober warning let me tell you as a child of god you're blessed the spirit of god lives inside of you the holy spirit is for you he's inside of you but paul in a book of ephesians which is all about spiritual warfare he says man don't give the enemy a foothold don't give him a door i just want to ask you are you giving him any doors in your life could be in the shows that you're watching could be in a relationship that you have could be an unforgiveness in your heart god wants to bless you don't walk in sin's curse let us pray father i thank you for your word your word is powerful and mighty i thank you jesus that you are the true and greater balaam and holy spirit right now would you reveal to us where ways in our lives that we are not listening to your ways but lord we want to follow ours show us the roadblocks that you're putting in, and we thank you for that. Lord, would you also begin to show us where we're walking out of the blessing of the walk we have in Christ, and we're following sin's curse. Lord, that'll bring destruction on us, and I pray, God, you would set people free. Here's the reality. Say, if that's you, say, Jesus, I come to you. Thank you. As the angel of the Lord, you didn't pierce me, but you were beaten for me. And Jesus, I surrender to you. I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for me. And I confess that you're Lord. God, I ask you to forgive me. I want to walk in the blessing of Christ. Lord, I I thank you because you broke the curse of sin. Amen. Freedom Church, I love you. And we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember that you are the difference, that we are the light of the world, that we are a city on a hill, that we're the salt of the earth, that God is in you, he's with you, that he's for you. And we'll see you next week online. God bless. Thanks again for listening to the Freedom Church podcast. We hope that you were inspired and motivated to continue to grow in your faith. Don't forget to subscribe and share with others.